On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we try very hard not to talk about a certain unnamed tout service, but we are unsuccessful. Spoiler alert. We also talk about teasers, broadly speaking, and we do a lot on futures, a lot on futures. So if you care about futures, both NFL and college, listen to that. And then finally, we try to get through some picks, but Rufus's interconnection sucks. So if you want to help sponsor Rufus in this podcast so we can have a better internet connection, then contribute to our GoFundMe account, um, and we'll send the link out for that. Just kidding. We don't really have a GoFundMe account. So with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not the typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a tout with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage is sports game. Welcome to the Barcelona edition or the Rufus is in Barcelona edition of the Bet the Process podcast. Uh, Rufus is adjusting his chair, and he's going to be the one with all sorts of fidgety mic problems, which is usually my issue. Hey, my my mic um, is great. I brought my i i didn't I didn't pull a Jeff Mod and bring a cheap travel mic. I actually carried the Eddie with me. I'm proud of you, Rufus. You know, I'm proud of you for many things. I'm proud um, of you for going to Barcelona. I'm proud of you for for I eating Iberico ham. I'm proud of you pretend, for pretending that you like soccer. These are all things that, that one should do when they go to Spain. And by the way, like, I think I fell in love with soccer. Oh, and I played God. soccer as a kid. And I, you know, I refereed soccer in, in high school. And, but I've never seen soccer like that. You know, from kind of the upper deck right behind um, one of the goals. I just, I must said goal post, but goal. You could just see you know that every play developing and just like the synchronicity of the movement it was like this ballet like it was you know the precision of the passing it was just this like it, it was it was truly artful and i'm i'm very glad to have been able to experience it i bet the reason that i can't find these faq i think i understand what it is anyway so back to soccer are you now are you going to start betting on soccer uh, no, no comment there <laughs> okay let's go to the real football um how was last week for you what are some teams that moved in your rankings well last week betting was very interesting it was we, we started no, off i saw you tweet college i tweeted that where it was like one and nine despite having like, like we had really good line movement on college football last week and, and um especially in the early games and ended up just like getting getting our ass smashed in we had a bunch of dogs and i think the favorites went like nine and one in that early uh and that's in those early games and we were on like, you know, teams to cover plus 28 that ended up losing by like 55. I think that was like UConn, but we turned it around and ended up, I think it was like a $500 profit on $600,000 of volume or something like that. So literally as close to break even as you can get. What was the, what was your percentage there? What was your I mean, ROI? I mean, 500 divided by 600,000, pretty small, hmm. a little grocery money. What are you yeah. going to do with that $500? And that's not even all yours because you have a betting partner, right? Yeah. Um, I haven't decided. I, I'm going to put it in a piggy bank and, you know. If someone handed you $250 right now and told you you had to spend it in the next half hour, what would you do? Go get some Ibirico ham. I was actually thinking go get a really good bottle of wine. That's also a good idea. Because you can't, you couldn't, 
eat a meal in half an hour. I mean, you would just eat it too fast. I guess you could order the food and just tell them you wanted to pay ahead of time. That's true. So NFL was actually, I had a very good day in the NFL. Did you, did you prosper? Yeah, I did. I'm trying to remember exactly. I don't think we played very much. I mean, I actually had like a reasonable, I think I was four and one on my Tony Kornheiser picks, which was much better than what I'd done before. So that was good. Tell us a little bit about your day because you're pretty happy about it, it sounds like. Let's see. I had 10. Well, Thursday night was bad. Tennessee was not the right side, apparently, but even at minus one. I had Denver and the over in that game. That split. I had Detroit at plus seven. That won. Baltimore at plus seven also won, but the under 55 lost. Cincy plus six and under in the Cincy game both won. Indy um, over one and Atlanta. I get Atlanta plus three. So that pushed, which was nice because I think that closed at like one and a half. So that's, you know, why getting good line value matters. And uh, Oakland over one, the Jets plus 21 and over in that game also won. Miami lost, but the under in that game won. Yeah. Giants side one total under lost. You know, split on Carolina. I had a, I had a lot of action, actually. You know, margins, it's, it's the NFL, so I'm not expecting to hold a ton on it. But, but generally, I'm getting action early. In the week. Is there anything that has surprised you so far about the NFL? I mean, I feel like it Sounds it's, like you had a lot of action. Do you normally have this much action in week three? I don't know. I don't really, I, I think so. Maybe not quite this much. Honestly, it was like a bunch of action in the early games and then literally like almost no action in the late games. Yeah, I mean, I think you asked me like how we did and I was very, I gave you a very terse answer and I think you felt like I was like not being very communicative. It's mostly just because I didn't really pay that much attention. I'm not really very excited about betting NFL this year. So, I, you know, there's, there's not like a lot of money changing hands. So I was happy, again, like the fact that I have to give these picks on Tony Kornheiser. I like to know that they're doing well and that we give picks on this podcast and they're doing well. Because I care more about um, that than I actually do about any money that I'm betting myself. But um, wait, can we recap the, your picks then? Because I, I know I had both the big underdogs, so that's split. Yeah, I, I mean my my five for Kornheiser were Green Bay, or sorry, Denver, which lost, and then I had um, Carolina, which won. I had. Um, Baltimore, which pushed or won, depending on when you got it. They, they missed three uh, two-point conversions to push that game. Yeah, but um, was it the right – but, but I, I, love, I like what Harbaugh said. I, I like that John Harbaugh is basically not going to be reactionary and decide to kick extra points just because those two-point conversions Well, Harbaugh is a good coach. He's smart. Yeah. I had the Bengals. I had the Giants. And that, that was it, yeah. And I, I actually think Denver was the right side. I mean, there were some turnovers and whatnot, but I, I think I'd bet that Denver game again. I don't think Green Bay is nearly as good as people think they are, and I don't think Denver is as bad as most people think they are. I kind of agree with you there. Denver's got a very good defense still, and Green Bay's defense isn't as good as they showed, I think. I think it was – I don't think they're an elite I mean, defense like people think. Really, they've, really, they've played some bad teams. Exactly, exactly. And, 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 and the Green Bay offense has not been amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think one interesting game was that Jacksonville game. And do you think that the reason that Jacksonville 
I mean, is, is Gardner Minshew just better? I mean, like, is this one of those situations where they've had such poor quarterbacking um, for the last while that bringing in a guy like him probably makes them an incredibly underrated team because he may even be better than well, I Blake think- Bortles was? Minshew? I think Minshew's better than peak Blake Bortles already. It's not hard to be better than Well, yeah, that's my Bortles point. Bortles sucked. That's my point. But they got a downgrade because of Minshew, and probably they shouldn't have. Right? Well, here's the question. Is, is he better than Nick Foles? Well, I don't think we know how good Nick Foles is. I don't think we know how good Gardner Minshew is. Well, I mean, I, we've I, had a I, lot I of time to – we've had so much time to evaluate Nick Foles. Okay. He's played with three different organizations at least, maybe a fourth that I'm not thinking of, um, and – started well actually i guess okay. two but well, like he right. came back he came back okay, to okay. the Eagles. okay so well, and then three so with jacksonville rank rank nick if nick Foles were starting quarterback today where would you rank him in the top 30 what number what now rank? now i have to like pull up my ratings and see no, let's see just off the top of your head. off the top of my head um this is why swimmer doesn't like somewhere him, in the 20s you can't, ask, you can't answer simple questions somewhere in the 20s Schwimmer says I'm a linear thinker and don't and need to open my you, mind. Where would you rank Gardner Minshew then? Hmm. I don't know because like I'm kind of excited. It's fun to watch him, and but is it because he's got it's a only stash? Been, it, stash? It, it, he does have a great stash. Yeah, and I, and I like that he's kind of the underdog, like a six round. Okay, pick. let's say, but let's say this. You say, uh, let's say that you think that Nick Foles is say 22, right? Okay. I mean, my numbers say Minshew is worse just because of the, cause I'm holding onto the prior pretty hard right. at this well, point. And saying, given that like, he was a six like, round pick, we've only pull, seen him in two your, games. You got to pull your ass out of your years. linear thinking. You got to pull your ass out of your linear thinking and come up with a, a different uh, way to model Minshew. And that's okay. Bad. Well, you then better, my, my, my when, monkey, my monkey brain says that Minshew is better than Foles. Okay. The fact that we're even having this conversation should lead you to believe that when Minshew went out, and uh, sorry, when Foles, Foles went out, Minshew went in, and Jacksonville became downgraded because of that, that they become underrated, and therefore there was value on them against Tennessee last week. So you shouldn't have bet on Tennessee. Well, I, I, well, I bet on Jacksonville the week before. How did that work out for you? I think it won. They were a nine-point dog against Houston, and they lost by one. Oh, that's right. When, when they gave it to Fournette on the two-point conversion, which, by the way, I think was still not a bad call at all because – Success rates on two-point conversions are much higher on run, running plays, and I think everybody kind of expected a pass. And what, if, what if it was a running play that has an incredibly overweight, overrated running back? Well, running backs don't matter, though. <laughs> they matter on, a, on any individual play. They do matter. I mean, on the ext- now you sound just like a stupid-ass analytics person. Running backs don't matter. I know. The differential in running backs is not big enough to pay a lot of money. Exactly. Their shelf life is small, which is different than saying on any individual play, running backs don't matter. Don't be a dumbass, Rufus. <laughs> this is when your, your brother tells me that I need to be nicer to you. Well, you, I mean, Jeff, you can't even tell when I'm joking. You didn't even see that smirk when I was like, running backs oh. don't matter. You're, you're just like, oh, Rufus must be serious. Yeah, I was trying to look at the Jambos FAQ, which I finally figured out how to get to. Okay, so we tra- um, we'll transition to that. And I think they added shit to it. Anyways, no, like, hold on. So the other question that we had is, like, based on so, – so what surprised you so far? You said nothing was really surprised you so far in the NFL. No, no, no. I, I just hadn't gotten a chance to say what it was before you told me what surprised me. And I appreciate you informing my, my thought process because – 
you know, I don't know what I would do without you. Without you, you would be lost. I, I would be, I would be on, like on a desert you're, island. Your thinking is, you're too fucking linear. That's it's so linear. You know, I got to get a little more quadratic. If you were any more linear, you'd be a straight line. Yeah. <laughs> that one was just, just nailed it. By the way, that your was... hair looks amazing in that picture uh, that Ed Fang put up of the oh, God. power rank. Yeah, that was from like four years ago. You, you, did you have that. a mohawk? Did you lose a bat? No, no I think I had just gotten a haircut and wanted to be cool. You probably got more than one haircut. You probably got them all cut. Maybe all not them all cut. Most all of, of them. them. You know, I was trying to look like a model. You, get, you think when you get a haircut, you get every haircut? No. So that's the stupidest thing then when people say you probably got them all cut when they try to make that joke because the reality is you probably don't get them all cut. Well, I, I never heard that joke until now. So, you never heard that joke? Never. Uh, might be because I have a shitty sense of humor that everyone else. I mean, but Jeff, you're a, you're a dad now, so you're allowed to you're allowed to have a shitty sense of humor. Dude, I've always had dad jokes, dad jokes till the cows come home, so to speak. Is that a joke too? Is that a dad joke? No, it's a terrible okay. expression. Just, it's like a dad expression. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I am like you, you do have. I mean, the Dolphins have been surprisingly inept, in my opinion. I mean, I, I think that they've been more inept than expected, and I do think you have less parity, um, much less parity. So that's a surprise to me because at the beginning of the season, I said I thought there was a lot of parity, but it does. I mean, I think the big surprise though has been these rookie slash backup quarterbacks performing well. You had uh, you have Daniel Jones who had. Who played well, who played very well? He he has issues with like fumbling the ball, but and getting sacked. But overall, I mean, he looked like having watched the good part of that game. He looked really good, and obviously the numbers back that up. Um, you have Gardner Minshew, of course. Jacoby Brissett, I guess he's not a backup anymore, but he was a backup to Andrew Luck, and he's looking like he like the Colts are a contender, um, even with him at quarterback. Um, who else you got? Oh, Kyle Allen, undrafted free agent. Uh, he's started two games now and played well in both of them. So, I mean, last there, there have been almost, almost last week was just the week to bet on the backup quarterbacks, and you would have been good, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, except, that the, except Land, well, not, I was called him Landry Jones, um, except because that was former Steeler backup, except for Mason Rudolph. I don't think he looked no, good at he all. Co- he covered. Did they cover? They covered. No, they yeah. did. Yes. What was that? Yes, that was a. That was oh, a oh yeah, yeah, they, they did. Yeah, I just remember they. they he he didn't cover the second half spread for me. That's what I cared about. And he didn't. Oh, so we we were on the second half there too. And that wasn't his fault that he didn't cover the second half. He had a, a couple touchdown passes. James effing Connor just fumbled in his own. When they got the ball back, they stopped him. Connor fumbled. So I I I think it's unfair for you to characterize Mason Rudolph that way as someone. Okay. That knows Mason and his family really well. I'm not appreciative of you disparaging him on such a public forum as the Bet the Process podcast, oh. which is like the most public forum that for seven needs, people that needs to have this this whole conversation. We should just start having a code word for the the J websites. Who's mentioning its name? Let's just call it Dumbo. Dumbo. Dumbo's picks. Okay. An elephant makes picks. Uh, anyway, a flying elephant, no less. Um, okay, so let's let's go into uh, the jambo. The sorry, the Dumbo. Oh, I'm terrible. The Dumbo stuff. You were so um, terrible. 
there were some subjects that came up and, and obviously people don't like there's a there's a mix of people some people want to hear us talk about these guys some people are tired about it but but they do bring up or it has brought up some interesting questions that people have asked us about on twitter that we want to talk about the first is this concept of teasing through zero and even more broadly teasing generally so let's first talk about teasing generally what do you think about that as a strategy I think for, for the average recreational better, um, who's just kind of indiscriminately teasing, it's hugely negative EB, like teasing totals. You know, I have an uncle who loves, I'm, I don't know if he, I, I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast, but he loves, uh, because I'm calling him out for his like five team, 10 point totals teasers, but I've, I've told him they're bad bets. So uncle Ben, if you're listening, please don't place those teaser. Bets. Wait, you have an uncle that bets sports. How has this never been talked about? And why haven't we had him on the podcast before? Honestly, he, he kind of like, wait, is your a, uncle Doug Kazarian? No, this guy, this guy's owned like three pool halls down in like Florida in the past. He's like, he's, um, is, he, he's like a, absurd. he's a guy's guy. This we, is absurd. When I see him, we play gin rummy. This is absurd that I'm just learning about this. We need Uncle to make ben. a field trip down to Florida and do a Bet the Process live podcast from one of his pool halls. Well, he lives in Natchez, Mississippi now. Let's, oh, that's even better. Let's do that and then go to an Ole Miss football game. I've always wanted to go to an Ole Miss football game. Okay. I'm down. We're, we're in. Who's in who, anyone who happens to listen to this podcast that happens to go to Ole Miss, please DM Rufus or I. Our DMs are open. I like having my DMs open. I was always scared to have them. And now that I have them open, I really appreciate it. It's, it's fun. But at the same time, I feel like I, I just let the, the I, I get a big backlog of messages. And so if I haven't responded, you're very, to message, active on, you're very good on Twitter now. And you really have become a thousand times more influential, important than me on Twitter. And I know that because when you tweeted out this ideas for the show, you got like 55 responses. The last time I checked, that's, pretty awesome well, well thank you it's not you, bad for you're gonna make me blush yeah well that maybe it's the wine that's gonna make you blush. can, can we try to get rufus as a dog's name like trademarked yeah well we're gonna we're gonna do t-shirts i'm in i'm in for the t-shirts and we will have to come up with a cool design and i'm totally in for the t-shirts. can we have like some booty shorts too that like say rufus is a dog's name on the ass I was thinking about it. If we, if we did it, if we decided that we just never wanted to have a sponsor for this again, we could basically allow individuals to sponsor shows by donating to us. And then we'd give them a t-shirt in response and mention their name on the show. Ooh, I like that idea, but we could only, we'd only have seven episodes. Well, no, we just have, we'd have the same seven people paying us each time. Ah, okay. Repeat customers. We'd have to get them different shirts or maybe they could have shirts for friends and family. Okay, back to teasers. So teasers, okay, teasers generally are a bad idea. Can they ever be a good idea? Yes, they can. So, Would you like to tell me when? Yeah, like, uh, I'm sure many people on here have heard of this, but probably some haven't. The concept, uh, this guy Stanford Wong um, is known for, I guess, I don't want to say popularizing, but I guess popularizing, or, or he was the first guy to pu pu speak publicly um, about these teasers where if you, a six point teaser crossing uh, the numbers three and seven. So if you're a six point teaser, for those of you who don't know, means you are basically getting six extra points. So if you have a two point underdog and you tease them six points, um, they're now an eight point underdog. So if a two team six point teaser used to pay, I think at one point it paid even money. Then 
you know, it was minus 110. I think most places now are only paying minus 120. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, the overall, there there used to be at least um, value to those teasers where you can cross the num- both the numbers three and seven, just because so many games land on those numbers. Now with the, 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 the other thing too here, right, is that scoring results, the prediction of a scoring result or generally scoring results are not normal distributions, right? They're distributions that are bunched around certain types of nu- certain numbers or certain outcomes. And because of that, if you can cross those outcomes, you're basically skewing your odds more than you would, more than people would think. Exactly. So, so let's say that's a very fair way to describe it. And so if you're offered a, I mean, so so to to figure out if, if a leg of a teaser is good, you need to know what the break even rate there is. So, um, if now I have to do some math, but if, um, so if you have two, you know, for example, if you have two legs that are 57% or sorry, 75%, then, uh, actually comes out to like almost minus minus one thirty. So, um, I, I forget, I, I believe it's like 72 point something percent for, um, a two team. So basically because of, because, of the, because of the increased juice and also the fact that you have two outcomes that need to happen, you need higher than the average break even percentage on any individual bet. And number you're saying is roughly 72%. Right. So, 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 to, so to, to know the value, but, so for the value of the T's, you need to know how often the game is going to lose against that regular point spread, but cover this teased point spread. So if you're teasing from, from two to eight, you want to know how often the game is going to land. Um, let's say for simplicity's sake, two and a half to eight and a half. Um, you want to know how often the game is going to land on exactly three, exactly four, exactly five. And so, you know, you can query in a database and see how often a, a you know, two and a half point underdog, you know, covers plus eight and a half, but, but that's, a very simplistic and poor way of doing it. What you, what you care about is the probability, not of the team covering. I mean, the probability of each of those numbers. And because I've seen people that say, Oh, you know, teasing from, I think Warren Sharp actually um, wrote an article back in 2007. Somebody sent it to me on Twitter talking about teasers and, and pointing out the teasers. I think this was a six and a half point teaser uh, going from minus three and a half to or maybe a six point teaser minus three and a half to plus two and a half had been popular or had been profitable in the, in six years of data. But it like was like that leg was like 78%. But if you just query spreads in that range, I mean, you could have, um, you could have a situation where those teams are also in that span. I looked up, they were covering the minus three and a half, like 51.8% of the time. So that's kind of, you know, the 78% is not, um, we can't say that that teaser has 28% of value there um, because they were covering the spread a little bit more. I mean, plus that was a small sample there, but I I think. Okay. um, So, so let's, so then let's just simplify this, right? We're basically saying that teasers, you, you, if you're betting teasers, right, you one need to look at your sports book and see for a six point teaser, what are the, what's the increased juice they make you have? If Correct. it's over minus 120, it's almost positive that you just don't want to bet these because it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to create a teaser situation where you're able to skew your odds that high. But, but, and he, but here's where we can add another layer to it. If you have a two and a half point underdog that you like overall and can tease them to an eight and a half point underdog, and right. maybe let's say you have another leg that you like sure. that also crosses that three and the seven. Sure. That 
you know, that teaser at minus 120 is still better than t- eating the minus 110 juice on each side, on each of those bets. And, and kind of, kind of for a, for a, um, from a portfolio perspective, right? To create a situation where, you know, maybe you like a team, a game a lot, and maybe rather than betting it specifically on that, you're able to create a situation where you're, you know, given another outcome that allows you to win, meaning, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just yeah. an interesting way to diversify whether, h- how you win. Diversify okay. how so, you win. <laughs> well, whatever. Anyways, yeah, yeah. That, was poor, that was poorly stated. Okay, so, so then what, let's go to this whole teasing through zero idea. So teasing through zero is that, let's say you like a three and a half point favorite um, and you decide to tease it six points and you get that team plus two and a half, you've essentially, you know, created a scenario where now all of a sudden if that team loses by two and a half or less or wins by or wins, you've now gotten one leg of the teaser. Generally, why is this a bad idea or why is this a bad idea? Oh, because very, very few games land on zero. So you basically have one number, you're, you're paying to tease six numbers and one of those numbers is so, so one of the ways you can one of the ways that you can look at to how to quantify the increased value of a t- teaser is let's say you start by believing that the minus three and a half is a fifty six percent you know you have a fifty you have a fifty six percent chance of winning it right mm-hmm. then every other number that you include adds some level of increased opportunity to win right. And right. so what you're saying is all of a sudden the zero, your, your ability to win that is very small because it's a tiny amount of games that end in a tie. And theoretically, even games that end like at one and two are typically not that big either. Now that's changed obviously with the two-point conversion rules, et cetera. But we go back to this idea that you know, the outcome of games is not a normal distribution like around zero it's actually decided around other numbers. And so you know, you're not going to get the biggest bang for your buck in terms of the, the advantage you gain when you tease around zero. Right. But the, you, you give an example of going minus three and a half to plus two and a half. I think if you can, the, the, what, what, the jam, what, what the Dumbos did was, uh, was go from minus, minus three to plus three and a half. It was a six and a half point teaser. So, you know, actually, oh. if, you, if you had a, if you could have a seven point teaser and go minus three and a half to plus three and a half, I mean, I don't know what seven point teasers pay, but I mean, that would be worth looking at um, because the three is worth a lot. But as we said, or as you said, Jeff, it's not worth quite as much now with the fact that extra points are much longer and you have more of those missed. But if you can get, but getting both of those threes, I think that's the argument there. And, and that that can sort of cancel out that the zero and the math says like, I actually looked at this. So if you tease from minus three to plus three and a half, that's worth about 21%, according to my numbers. That's not an exact figure. It's very, I mean, you know, we've only had what, four years of data with the new extra point rules. So part of that, I've had to kind of go back and try to run some simulations, simulating scoring from previous games, but assuming rather than a 99% chance of made extra point, I'm assuming a you know, 95% chance and then editing what basically replaying the scoring of the games and and the coach's decisions based on those results. And to try to basically create this new artificial distribution that should hopefully look like 
what we'd expect the distribution to look like um, going forward. So that's why there's some uncertainty there. But but 21% um, when you're when you're dealing with the six and a half point teaser, um, which is at minus 130. For for minus 130, uh, the break even price for each leg is definitely over 75%. Um, I think it's yeah, like just slightly over 75%. So that 21% is not going to get you all the way there. But one thing I did notice, and, and I had not noticed this before when I tweeted this out, apparently um, the Chargers were a three-point favorite, but minus, one, minus 119 at the time at Chris, so not minus 110. But when you're teasing that, you, you're not having to pay for increased juice in that scenario. So in a way, it's, it's, it's kind of smart to be able to – I mean, it's not, it, it's, um, you're kind of getting away with – you're pulling one over on the book a little bit. Right. Because That's what we all want to do is pull one over on the book. Right. Because the, a six and a half point teaser pays a two team six and a half point teaser. Um, I guess a bookmaker pays minus one thirty, regardless if you're teasing a team that was minus you're three, right. minus one twenty five, right. or minus three plus one hundred. So um so I think that basically what I found if you're if you're in I think the point of indifference there for that six and a half point teaser or for that leg of the six and a half point teaser would have been about minus one seventeen. So if they if if you liked the Chargers, the Chargers, right? In that yeah. situation, I, I mean, we're just talking generically. I mean, but the problem the problem really comes down to this, right? When and people ask us this broadly in your in your thing, like how do you evaluate whether someone's a winning better or not? Like how many, you know, sample size? Like how many games does it take? What kind of betting signature? I would say none of that, right? What I, would, what I would say is that you actually try to understand their process, right? And you try to understand what they, what, what they put into their model and how they're looking at this and how they might be looking at gaining an advantage. And if someone tells me that they're looking at doing teasers through zero, I would say like, okay, that's not necessarily a process that I would fundamentally believe will work long term. And so, you know, from that standpoint, you know, and it's all the reasons I explained, is there, are there an exception where maybe there's some strange thing in your model that has shown that maybe your numbers say that, but like, again, like that would not make me feel very confident in the numbers that you're spewing out because it's counter to what you would think of from a process standpoint of what would work. I agree. I agree. And actually looking back um, at the records, I, I kind of, think I know what one reason they did it. I think they liked Minnesota a lot and wanted more exposure in Minnesota, but they only, their, their policy says they only will do one unit per um, bet. And so they had a Minnesota straight bet and then two teasers involving Minnesota. So I think they were like, well, how can we get more down in Minnesota? Yeah. Well, their policy is sort of silly too, right? Because like at the end of the, I mean, this is where it's almost like their fact that they're a tout service hampers them from actually doing the right thing. Like if they really like saw a huge edge in Minnesota, then they should be able to make that a higher unit play. But there's nothing, there's nothing wrong in my mind with that. Is there, is there something wrong in your mind? Well, I think that the issue is that a lot of touts will use those units to sort of, um, I guess, you know, if, let's say you're down yeah, but they 20 do, units. They, Suddenly they you do. have unit inflation and every pick becomes, they do you know, plenty my, of tout, They do plenty of touty stuff that's worse than that. So. I think unit inflation, I mean, it's like the, I think Fezzik one year apparently had like a hundred hey, star. Wait, stop, stop. You said, you said unit inflation. That's funny. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. 
<laughs> no, I think Fezzik one year at the end of the year like had like 100 have, star. Have you have you experienced experienced any have you experienced any unit inflation in Barcelona? Any, I mean, <laughs> is is Randy the big unit Johnson here? Okay. Um, the other thing, and this is actually a much more interesting question um, to me, is around bankroll management. One of the things that I think has surprised a lot of people are how many quote unquote recommendations uh, that said service has had over this uh, short time frame, specifically on Saturdays, having many, many, many recommendations. Um, and I hadn't thought of this uh, probably to my detriment um, in terms of how, how challenging this would be, but you know, the ideal uh, idea of how much money it, and, um, you know, the, the king elephant has made a point of talking about believing in Kelly criterion for money management. And, you know, with that has talked about bankroll management, but yet has really not wanted to suggest a number. And so I think it's fair for him to say he doesn't want to suggest a number, but I think it's, it's not fair for him to not actually address the question and say, you know, based on X, Y, and Z, here is how you should think about your number and, and even give a range for what the bankroll is. So from what you've seen from um, the herd of elephants so far, how would you think about bankroll management? Ooh, uh, I don't, I don't even, that's a very open-ended question. I was pulling up the tweet that Sizzle sent out about, so he said, he had a little spreadsheet here. He says, oh, conservatively assuming minus 110 odds on every bet, this isn't the case we know. It appears a $300 betting 17-week Jambos Picks subscriber has, I mean, Dumbos Picks, ha, uh, has to date needed a $21,177 bankroll just to survive the first 20 days of the 119-day package. So um, because there are so many games, you know, uh, I think they had like 44 recommendations on Saturday, which is a lot. If you're a, if you're a $300 better, that's a, that's a lot of money. I mean, so... Um, I think one thing you're not mentioning, Jeff, though, is that also if we, if we subscribe to Kelly criterion or a fractional Kelly staking system, which means you're, you're basically the fraction of your bankroll that you're betting is proportional to, um, to the edge, uh, you have, uh, if you're doing that, um, then you, if you lose money, if your bankroll shrinks, you should be betting less not just continuing to bet $300. So if you started this with like, you know, let's say you started um, the Dumbo's system with like a, th- with a three, $30,000 bankroll and you ended up losing, I think they were, how many units? They had the, a, a week where they were down 19 units. If you had lost. That was um, the worst weekend, worst week ever in the history. Worst week. It was the second week ever that we saw, but. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't mean it can't be the worst. That, it definitely was. So, I mean, then your bankroll drops to what, like 24,000. Suddenly you shouldn't be betting, you shouldn't be betting 300 a game. Maybe, maybe you should but be betting 240. Just, these are just, these are just details. We right. don't care about details. So, so, so what you're asking me though is should like, they, just, should they be responsible for, for giving literature out to basically well, on, on bankroll management? That is, the answer to that is a hundred percent. Yes. Right. Well, if they want to be like, different than yes. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I am a relatively experienced sports better and hadn't even thought about the fact that, I mean, I just didn't realize that they were going to have 
44 recommendations or whatever on a Saturday, which would mean that you would need to have $14,520 just to, just to play that day. Assuming minus assuming you want to play $300. Yeah. And assuming minus three thirty on each of these, that is crazy. If you think about it, most, if you're betting with a credit shop, like most people are not having over $10,000 in their credit account, like from a week to week standpoint, you know, That's a good unless, point. I mean, especially not a $300 better. Like if you're, if you're typically a $300 better, there's no way your bookie is going to let you go above 10,000 in a week, unless you've had a longstanding relationship with them. Well, and if you go back in the record, I mean, wait till we get to the college basketball season. Sizzle pointed out that they had the first day of recommendations. Well, this is not public. This is the recommendations, the retroactive ones that got posted in March, but were from December, um, which was their own testing of their model. Um, the first day, December 8th, they had 70 bets on, and there were only 36 games that day. So, um, I don't know what that means exactly, but it means that if you, I mean, the market must be incredibly inefficient. Well, that's a, that's a third thing that we can talk about, which is like, how could the market be so inefficient? But I don't even care about that. This bankroll management thing. And again, when, when I mentioned to you that there were people in the industry that were really worried about these guys basically taking down the industry with their sort of like very irresponsible behavior and the potential they had to lose people a lot of money, which actually is another thing that we should talk about. People were giving us crap about, you know, both of us being friends with Matt Berry and letting Matthew off the hook for endorsing um, said elephant product. And we actually both like text him independently. As as that. Right. And, and, you know, we didn't publicly disparage him because he didn't, I mean, and, and again, like, Matthew had no ill intentions by this, but he should be a little bit more responsible in looking into things before he endorses them. But he was, you know, he, you know, he, he listened to what we said. He didn't dismiss what we said. Um, and, you know, to my knowledge, he has not endorsed them since then. Um, and the whole idea was, I was like, listen, you, you have a responsibility here to, to your followers to understand like what you are recommending, right? So let's go to exactly what they say on their FAQ, which is what, what they told me to do. Okay, we this is the moment average, we've been waiting for. We typically average about nine recommendations per day, but that can, be, that can, that can vary, which I think she's supposed to say vary. V-E-R-Y, is that the word they want? But that can vary on any given day. Slash week, what? <laughs> slash week, depending on the amount of games played and those we have edges on and the number of recommendations over a given subscription period will likely exceed the minimum number that are guaranteed. There will also be days when we make recommendations for a game happening in the future, example being making a recommendation on Tuesday for an NFL game the following Sunday when the line is better. I don't know how they know that the lines can be better, but jambospicks.com cannot tell you, and this is actually in a separate colored font, which makes me think they added this later, Color uh, font? cannot tell Jeff. it's a different it's a different color font it's black versus blue then the original stuff cannot tell you what your bankroll should be because bankrolls are very dependent upon factors that we cannot know some of these factors include like things like your tolerance for risk or if you plan to make all the bets we recommend some of them or none of them additionally you should considered you should consider they don't even proofread this thing i'm gonna have to screenshot this because they're going to edit this um 
Additionally, you should consider whether you want <laughs> to bet one unit equals 300 per recommendation or you want to wager more or less than 300. Ultimately, you have to decide what bankroll and unit should be based upon your personal strategy. Wait, what bankroll and unit should be what based upon? What your bankroll and unit should be based. Based, okay, that makes more sense. What your bankroll and unit size should be, comma. But wait. Is, but there's no comma there. I thought at the beginning he said this is a service meant for a $300 better. It's not meant for a bigger better, which is... You know, I mean, it's meant for a $300 better because the whole point comes to you're only paying basically a 1% fee. If they have, if you're betting $300 and they give a thousand picks and you do the 17 week thing, by the way, which most people I don't think are doing the 17 week thing um, because they have like weekly and monthly and other things. So um, if you're betting less, then it suddenly becomes a more expensive service. Um, it's, it, it changes the calc, right? If you think they have an edge, it still yeah, changes the calculus. I, let's, let's just, let's just be done with let's, this. Was, okay. Let's be done with I think we, we spent uh, long enough, NFL, way too long on it. NFL futures. NFL, NFL futures. Let's do it. Okay. I, I am prepared this time, Jeff. And I think you are prepared too, because I've shared the document with you. Do yeah, you have it open? You shared it with me like literally a minute before you sent me the zoom link for this. So do you think I've had a chance to look at this? I've been too No, but, but you can actually see it. Too busy to try trying to find this damn FAQ. I like how your like, your your logo on Google is a picture of your book you wrote. The House I mean, Advantage. I haven't changed it in so long. So it's excellent marketing. Okay. Futures, futures, futures. So I, I pulled up um, the odds at, at Bet Chris and um, we and honestly, so I have the super odds, but I know you wanted to do divisions because you think those are more interesting because um, well, no, do you, I mean, if you see all, if you see value in the Super Bowl odds, let's let's well, touche. If you go to the SB odds tab, you can find that. So one thing that's interesting, let's like, looking at the top. I make the Patriots um, plus four twenty, which is. I'm sorry, I insulted your team a little bit. They're still the favorite, but um, the other systems out like out there, ESPN, FBI, Football Outsiders have them at plus two fifty and plus two twenty respectively. Five thirty eight is plus four thirty, and the market's plus three forty five. So I am the basically on the low end for the Patriots, despite thinking they're the best team in football. Now, why is that, Jeff? Because um, you believe that the because uh, of priors. I mean, I don't no, know. I said they're the best team in football. And if we let's we can go down to find like a team like let's see, um, I have the oh I, I hate the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Chris has the Bengals at one thousand two hundred and fifty to one. My numbers have them at two hundred and sixty to one. So that says like holy moly, that's a like five hundred plus percent edge. Well, no, not 500, 400 plus percentage. So, so the the theme here though, I think is that my, my simulations are showing um, less of a spread. You're always bunched around zero. I am. Well, I think the big thing is, is that I, I, I guess I believe there is fundamentally more uncertainty than the market does. I believe that if Tom Brady gets injured tomorrow, the New England Patriots are not going to be the same team that they are right now. Right. If you're always bunched around zero. Not for odds. Okay. So no, my power. Wait, Jeff, this, I think this is a very important point here. But we've made this 
this, this is where people yell at me for telling you, for cutting you off, but we've made this, this point many times, right? Well, I think, which is not only do you, not only, not only, not only do you model that the team's abilities are more bunched than the market does or that other rating systems do. Not always. You also model, you also, you also model uncertainty differently than everyone else does. Well, and Jeff, you want to explain how I, simulation, you're basically, do you want to explain how I modeled the uncertainty differently in simulations? Um, no. Please tell me. I would love to know. Am I wrong though? Well, I don't know how the other systems model the uncertainty, but what I do is I run simulations and I look at how teams' ratings in the Massey Peabody rating system change week to week, like what the distribution of change is based on whether they win or lose a game and by how much they win or lose. So let's say you have a team that was a 20-point favorite and they win by 10. Well, their rating probably is not going to, it's probably going to get slightly worse because they underperformed expectation. But there's also, it's not like I can say, oh, they won one by 10, it's going to get worse. They could have won by 10, but fundamentally been way better. So there's, um, I basically sample from a distribution around that. Um, and so each time there's, you know, that a bunch of randomness um, included in the simulation there. So the one issue though, I mean, so, so basically it's going to account for this dynamic uncertainty. It's going to overall, it's, it's accurate in terms of how the ratings move week to week. Now, if you think the rating system sucks, then you probably won't like this. Um, but what's difficult in this and is, is modeling a injuries because you know, the, the value of quarterbacks are different for each team. And, and if I, I could go through and say, okay, if, if, you know, the Patriots have more downside risk because Brady is worth more. And I do have a thing based on the quarterback, how much like, you know, downside risk there is. Um, but it's not a team specific thing. And if I really wanted to, to get nuanced about it, that's what I would do. I'd be, you know, I could model, does the quarterback get injured this week? But I think the other thing, um, and once we, when we get into the division odds, you'll sort of see why I'm saying this too, is that um, one thing I, I'm not sure I really can account for well is upside. I feel like, like the Bengals are the Bengals, right? There's, you have Andy Dalton at quarterback. You know who Andy Dalton is. I feel like they're not going to change that much relative, right? Do you agree? Mm -hmm. Versus, you know, the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, there's a lot more upside there. There's a lot more uncertainty. Um, the Niners with the healthy Garoppolo, you know, um, even the hell, the Bills with, with Josh Allen or, or somebody like that versus, you know, a team like the Broncos with Joe Flacco. It's like, okay. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, hell, maybe if Joe Flacco gets injured and I mean, well, they had a shitty quarterback they drafted, but, um, but if, if he gets injured too, maybe they have a better third string quarterback who can come in and save the day. How do you know Drew Locke is shitty? You're ready to call Drew Locke shitty. How do you even know that? Cause John Elway drafted what him. Team, what team did Drew Locke play for in college? Um, Memphis. No, no, it's one of those Paxton. school. Oh no, Missouri, right? Missouri, Missouri. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, Memphis, was, Memphis, Memphis was the other quarterback. Was the um, was Paxton Lynch who they drafted? That's what I'm saying. I just said that. Yeah. You don't even listen to me when you're talking. Okay, so well, that's let's I'm talking. go to futures. I can't what listen you? to you. I can't what? listen to you while I'm that talking. Was, that was a joke, Rufus. So that was what we and Jeff. What, what, do you, what do you think of that? So, what do you what do you think of that? Like those, those challenges of, of modeling futures. I mean, I think it's, I think it's really hard. And I think like you, I give you credit cause you're constantly looking for, um, 
ways to do this stuff. Now, I think injuries is impossible to model because they can have such an astronomical effect. I think you probably have to try to model injuries in an aggregate and predict them in an aggregate, sort of like what, what, what impact they would have. But I think you're right. Like there's some sort of a, you know, an idea that, that one type, you know, the, the Patriots losing Tom Brady would be pretty bad. Um, whereas obviously the, the, the Panthers losing Cam Newton wasn't quite as bad. Or um, if, if the chiefs lose Mahomes, you know, the, it's everybody's saying it's going to be the chiefs and the Patriots, but look how often quarterbacks get injured. And, and I mean, I think there's downside risk with Brady in general too, given his age. He could he could Peyton Manning and just suddenly lose the ability. Yeah, his to diet's much better. His diet's much better. But if he Peyton Manning, he'll still win a Super Bowl somehow. Yeah, and, and we'll probably his defense some, somehow because of his defense. And the Patriots have a really good defense this year. It turns out so. Yeah, that feels good. Although they haven't really played many good offenses yet, so we shall see. Yes, we shall. Right. But basically, if you look at futures, I show a lot of value on, um, let's see, I show uh, value on the Redskins at 1,750 to 1. I make them 1,260 to 1. Let's go to that. This is why conferences is more interesting. Because okay. at least well, how about divisions? Ones, let's, go, let's go to divisions. I feel divisions. like there's a chance to win. Let's go to divisions okay. because I actually have divisions in front of me and I put little prices in that Google document that you may or may not okay. be looking at. Let's You're not it. A, so, okay. No, I'm, I'm on Chris. I'm, I'm ready to fire away if you make some, if you make some oh, recommendations. Crap. I didn't fire before. Okay, so Patriots, minus 558 to win the division. That's what I have, Matt. And I have the Bills at plus 565 and everybody else, the Jets and Dolphins combined 0.1% chance. So, so there's some so value, I show value there. Some value on the Bills. Bills at 7 to 1. I have plus 565. That's, that's value. Going on to the north, um, I have the Ravens. Ravens leading the charge, minus 203, followed by the Browns at plus 480, the Bengals at plus 1124, and the Steelers plus 1214. So I'm higher than, on, on the Bengals, I think, by a lot, right? No, yeah, but, I mean, only value on the Bengals there. Are, but aren't they listed at 55 to 1, and I make them? They're plus 5,500. That's 55 to 1. That's how money lines work. Wait, what did, sorry, what did you make them? What? I said, el- plus, I said 11.24 to one. Right. Right. So again, Bengals equals 400% value always. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hate the Bengals, but, but look at that division. You have Baltimore that's two and one Cleveland that's one and two and then winless Pittsburgh and Cincy, but they're only two games back and you know, and, and since he hasn't played either Cleveland or Baltimore yet. So, right. I mean, it's still, my point is it's still, there still is a lot of football to be played and yes, they're own three and yes, well, the Bengals is the wrong team to use as an example. The Bengals shows the failure of my model. Okay. Houston, Jeff, Jeff is zoning out here. He's like, okay, Houston, uh, minus one of three. Indy plus two forty one. Tennessee plus six seventy three. Jacksonville plus 1308. What what are you seeing there? Anything? No no value. Teeny bit no. of value on Houston, and the fact well, that, that Houston's Houston's the favorite. You know, well maybe maybe you should stick with that. Not. Yeah, that's true. If you if you think my my models are not dispersed, Houston plus one hundred five. I said okay, so yeah, that's like right under four percent value, I guess three point something, somewhere between three and a half and four. 
with the West, Kansas City, yeah. minus 269. I think I'm probably not as high as everybody else on Kansas City. Is that right? Nope. Uh, nope. The Chargers, plus 430. And then Oakland, plus... Oh. Oakland plus 2155, Denver plus 2570. So, right. uh, teeny bit of value in the Chargers, but not much. They're plus 455. Okay. And value on Oakland to Denver, I think, probably, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. Um, you can believe that or not believe that. It's up to you. Dallas minus 224. Um, Eagles plus 301. Giants 22 to 1. Redskins sixty four to one. Of course, value on the Redskins. Yeah, but that that's real value this time. Dan Dan Snyder Dan Snyder has learned his lessons. No, yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, so the most interesting division, I think, is is the North, just because um, it is wide open. There, the difference between first and last in terms of projected wins right now is one point four wins. So, Green Bay in the lead at plus one eighty nine followed by Minnesota plus 336, Chicago plus 363, and Detroit plus 380. Hmm. So Detroit so has some value. Detroit at 6 to 1. Yeah. That, you know, the genius Matt Patricia. He's a rocket, rocket scientist. scientist. Rocket scientist. Jinx. Okay, next. Uh, now, okay, New Orleans minus 203, Atlanta plus 469, Carolina plus 1104, and Tampa plus 1316. So 13 to one. So some value on the saints and that's probably the modeling injuries differently. A little bit. I, I assumed Saint. I assume breeze is coming back week eight basically or around. That was the, the midpoint of when he's coming back a chance week seven, a chance week eight. I think they're on a bye week nine, but I think he'll definitely be back by week 10. Uh, onto the West. Jeff has that glazed look on his eye. Um, Minus 173 for the Rams, who are the favorite, 3-0. And the 49ers, also 3-0, plus 315. Seattle at 2-1, plus 719. And Arizona, um, what number is that? Plus 29, that's 293-1 to for Arizona. The funny thing is Arizona probably has more upside than, you know, a team like Denver or Oakland because they do have um, – they, you know, have a rookie quarterback and new coach for a different system. It's not gonna matter, but what'd you have the 49ers? Um, I had the 49ers at plus 315. Got it. Okay. okay so there's okay. a future. Uh you want to give some picks? On what? Well, let's see, maybe let's, are there any marquee college games that we can look at that you can whack some knowledge to our, our viewers with? We can do that. And do we want to talk about college futures? It feels like it, it's so hot right now in the Bay Area. It's like 85 degrees. Oh, man. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you have nice weather and don't have air conditioning. Uh, sure. Let's look at college real quick. Okay. Do, do we? Okay. Let's do that. Um, so before I, I think I said I had the the um, I, I, the Crimson Tide of Alabama really really high, like plus one eighty or something like that, right? It, it was it was a pretty high number. Um, they're actually only plus two twenty eight now. 
Hmm. So it's, it's a very, honestly, Jeff, this is a very interesting distribution here um, because you have Alabama um, 69% to make the playoff um, Clemson's 60, 70% to make the playoff Oklahoma, 60% Georgia, 52% Ohio state, 58% LSU, 42%. And then it falls off steeply, Wisconsin, 14%, Auburn, 9%. So basically the odds to win it all, like I have, Alabama plus 228, um, Clemson plus 463. So I'm way lower than the market on Clemson, who's the favorite in the market. Uh, Oklahoma plus 695, Georgia plus 722, Ohio State plus 766, and LSU plus 833. And then we drop down to Wisconsin at 62.5 to 1. So there is like, there's six teams basically that we think are, are, you know, the, the contenders that most of the, you know, the odds are, I mean, most of the playoff, well, possibly all the t- playoff teams will come from there. In fact, actually, yeah, three and a half, we expect three and a half of the four teams to come from that list of six teams. Pretty high for, for what, four weeks into the season. Why do you think your model always shows value on Oklahoma? Because they're good. And people don't like, I mean, they're in the middle of the country. People don't respect the middle of the country. That's ridiculous. Your model doesn't show value on Clemson. Do you think Clemson's not good? It showed value on Clemson last year all the time. Well, but the the answer to my question simply saying because they're good is stupid. Okay. They're good. They're in a down Big 12 this year. I I think the Big 12 is down. I mean, who's the next best team there? Texas? Um, Yeah, that's a joke. Sorry, Cade. Um, yeah, I think you have a down Big 12 this year, so, so it makes their path easy. Clemson has an easy path as well because the ACC kind of sucks. So Alabama has the t- – like, you know, well, Alabama doesn't have the toughest path. Georgia and LSU do. So Alabama is getting hurt. Alabama is getting hurt by the – Alabama is getting hurt now by the fact that LSU and Georgia are, are really good. Yes, basically. And, and you have a bunch of solid teams, obviously. It's the SEC. You have Auburn, too, who's undefeated but not as good. And Auburn's already beaten two ranked teams. You have Florida too. Exactly. Florida. um, Florida. I have Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. Florida. Florida. I still only make Florida 114 to one though. I expect they'll lose. uh, They'll go 9.1 and 2.9 at this point. So nine and three, three losses, um, 8% to make the playoff. But Oklahoma is, I, I just think, right. The market just isn't as high on them. They don't believe, um, they do have Jalen Hurts at quarterback. They lost, they lost a bunch of linemen last year, but um, you know their system has turned out um, some number one overall picks at quarterback, like each of the last two years, Mayfield and then Murray, who are not the prototypical NFL quarterbacks. They're both under six feet tall. It's kind of crazy, Mayfield's isn't it? Un- Mayfield's under six feet tall, and maybe I mean he probably is actually under six feet tall, but his profile has like. Either, I don't he's think he's listed as under, under six feet tall. Uh, no, he's definitely okay. not listed so, that way, but let me look it up here. Well, when you went with the tape measure on him, what did you get? Uh, 511.76. Height, well, I no. see, this is the problem. I'm in Spain, so it tells me the height is 1.85 meters. Great. <laughs> well, that's some, that's some localization right there. That's some good localization. Uh, okay. 
uh, we'll leave it at that. Let's give some picks. Um, we're going to start with college. Now we'll actually start. Re- we'll start actually recording them now because I have my handy dandy spreadsheet in front of me. Jeff, you you are the star, and I appreciate you for being the star of the podcast, doing the dirty work in this case. I know it's not in your nature, but I love the grind. Okay, we're back. Uh, three, two, three, two, one. Okay, now we're going to move on to some picks very quickly because Rufus's internet is in state unstable, just like his um, mental psyche. Uh, oh, that's a love blow. Do you have a good college pick? I have many. Well, actually, not. There's not not a ton this weekend. Actually, um, should we go? Let's see. What are the marquee? Do we want to pick on a marquee game? Yeah, college is kind of boring this week. All right, well, let's not do college then. No, okay. I like Oklahoma minus 26 and a half against Texas Tech. Okay, Oklahoma minus 26 and a half, done. And? Okay. All right, and? We need an and. And? And I like UCLA plus seven and a half at Arizona. You did like, you liked UCLA last week and they won outright, which was pretty cool. I couldn't believe that. I went to bed and, uh, you know, all of a sudden, they had won that game, which was pretty incredible to me. Weren't they down like 30 points in the third quarter? I think so. I wasn't even paying attention. You have, um, you have UCLA plus seven, you said? It's six and a half now. Oh, I have it in my spreadsheet. It's seven and a half. It's obviously not there anymore. Um, but I make the spread too, so. So you like them both. Okay. Uh, let's go to NFL. I'll go first in the NFL. I'm going to take... The Miami Dolphins plus 16 at home. There you go. Boom. You took my pick. You took my pick. You you beat me to it, you asshole. Um, I'm going to take the Detroit Lions plus six and a half at home against Kansas City. Oh, I love it. Every week, just bet against Kansas City if you're me. Um, I'm going to take... Wow, there's a micro. There's are you are you microwaving something, Rufus? <laughs> no, I'm not. But somebody is. Yeah, everyone else. So I'm going to take the Vikings plus the two against mm-hmm. Chicago. I know that that line is probably not the best of it at this point, but I still like it. Ah, okay, I'm kind of neutral on that one. Uh, I will go with. Oh God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to hold my nose and take the Bengals. Is it plus four or plus four and a half right now? It's plus four. Okay. All right. There it is. There's Bet the Process, Barcelona edition. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you guys next week. Numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are put to end just running off a of leaded. 